Today, Carl, Eric, and Nick preview two more draft-eligible quarterbacks in the 2018 NFL Draft Class. You are listening to the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Mr. Nick Kendall and Mr. Eric Trickle is joining us today. How are you, gentlemen? I'm great. My feet are just a little cold. Other than that, I'm great. Yeah, he was complaining about that earlier to me, and I said, go put socks, but he said he's too lazy. So, <laughs> Eric, I am too lazy. <laughs> I hear it's cold up there in Alaska. It was actually great weather here in Iowa this past week until yesterday. And a cold front went through, and now it's supposed to be cold and windy and potentially some snow this weekend. So winter is here, unfortunately. What can you do? I mean, it is that time of year, but that means football season, fortunately, for us, I guess, is going to be wrapping up. But that also means, and that means analyzing prospects. So that's that's what we're here to do, and that's what we're going to continue to do until the draft and even after that, because there's going to be plenty to talk about in terms of roster building and these young guys hopefully turning around this Bronco offense and defense and team in general because there's not much forward to look forward to on Sundays right now so hopefully the the promise of a high draft pick can at least brighten everybody's spirits a little bit on these during the holiday season well this show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos with Nick Eric and myself being film junkies we will be bringing you these draft episodes with a scout based perspective breaking down the players skill set and how they might actually fit with the Broncos follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, and you can follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH, and Eric at Eric Trickle. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco and draft football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod, and make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, part of Scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher and YouTube. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Hey gang, Chad Jensen here. The fellas have a lot of great Broncos analysis to get to today, and especially as it pertains to 2018. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Rep the Squad. We got to draw your attention to one of the coolest services for a Broncos fan out there. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey that you want. With hundreds of different jerseys, Rep the Squad allows you to switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Maybe this week it's a home jersey of Von Miller. And next week, it's Emmanuel Sanders on the road. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month, and youth are $16.95. New jerseys arrive each week, fresh and clean, within two to three days of ordering. It's like Netflix for jerseys. Rep the Squad allows you to rep the Broncos all season long, no matter if it's home, away, or an alternate jersey, and saves you having to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on keeping up with the jersey game. Free shipping both ways. Cancel anytime, but here's the key, you guys. Use promotion code HUDDLE, that's H-U-D-D-L-E, to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. That's promo code HUDDLE at RepTheSquad.com. Go there, sign up for a subscription, use the code, thank us later. Well, boys, we have made it to 
what looks like the, the last two quarterbacks, at least for now, that we're going to be talking about in these, these draft podcasts. And, and we got some, some big names here. Two guys that I've seen both of them as the number one quarterback in this draft on, on different websites. And they both fit, I would say, at least a height, weight, skill set of a lot of what Elway likes to look for in a quarterback. And, and the first one to start off with here is Mason Rudolph of Oklahoma State, who's listed at six foot four, 230 pounds. So pretty much prototypical size that you want to see in a quarterback. And Nick, let's just start with you. What, what do you have for some background on this kid? Well, Mason Rudolph is a native of South Carolina and was a pretty high recruit, only a four-star. We've talked about a lot of five-star guys, but he was a four-star. Still, that's, that's a pretty high star rating for an Iowa fan like myself. Started the last three games as freshman season due to an injury and uh, took over from there. Started all 13 games as a sophomore, started 13 as a junior, and has played all the games this season. Uh, he chose Oklahoma State over LSU because he didn't feel like LSU would open up the offense under less miles, which as we've seen, LSU has been just a purgatory for developing quarterbacks. Don't understand why they get all these four and five star guys with great weapons around them. They just cannot develop a quarterback. So I guess good choice for Mason Rudolph there um, and was named the 2017 Werfel trophy watch list for active role in community volunteering. So off the field, good guy, apparently a big personality, um, smart guy, coach Gundy loves him, but are I mean he looks the part. Let's say that you know six four two hundred thirty. You that guy walks into a room, you know, good looking, perfect hair. You're like, man, that guy's definitely the high school quarterback wearing that Letterman jacket, jacket, giving it to his cheerleader girlfriend. You know, that, that's that's just how he looks. And on tape, I mean, there are some times when you watch him and you see the tools, you see the the big frame, you see the ability to to push the ball. Sometimes big scoring offense, but it's just it's not enough for me. If that makes sense. For being such a big guy, I think his arm strength is a little bit overrated. Yes, yes, Oklahoma State does run an offense that's up-tempo, spread, air raid, whatever the heck you want to call it, where they push the ball vertically and score a lot of points. Granted, Big 12 defenses are putrid, but, I mean, he he does it there at Oklahoma State and has had good games in his career. I mean, I remember watching him. I think the Broncos had some pretty high, uh, pretty big people up there. I'm not going to give anything away, but at the game where it was – Oklahoma State versus Pittsburgh, and he went 23 for 32 with a 71 completion percentage, 497 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, this guy puts up some serious numbers, almost has 5,000 passing yards on the season, uh, 65% completion percentage. So just having good years statistically, but when I watch him on tape, I just see issues that make me think this guy's probably a day two, maybe even a day three quarterback. Uh, I don't think he is the most mobile guy. And again, for his size, I don't I don't love the arm talent. I think he can push it decently vertically, but a lot of times I see it where he has talented wide receivers, James James Washington, who I honestly think's a little bit overrated, then who's a six foot four catch radius, go up and get it monster guy, who help him a lot. They also have a very talented running back who they use in the past game as well, in Justin Hill, who's a sophomore this year. He won't come out, but I think he's gonna be a day two pick in the 2019 draft. Again, the big frame, decent arm strength. Biggest issue with me, though, is his ability in the pocket. I think once things start to go off schedule for him, whether it be because the the read isn't there or the pocket starts to collapse on him, especially in his face, he gets rattled and he loses his mechanics. I know Eric's a big has a big issue with Josh Rosen when the pocket starts to collapse. I mean, it's rightfully so. You can see it on tape. But imagine that like tenfold 
for Mason Rudolph. That's what I've seen. I do think he's a little bit better there this year in terms of his ability to navigate the pocket and uh, maintain his mechanical integrity, throwing the football when things start to break down around him. But it's still a big issue for him. And I think given the state of offensive lines in the NFL, that's that's an issue. So he's definitely a guy that I think has had more hype than substance. And I think probably, hopefully he goes to the Senior Bowl. You know, he might really impress some people there because apparently he's an impressive kid, personality-wise. But as far as the tape, I'm just not super impressed. I think he's solid, but round one, absolutely not. I agree. I think it's absurd to have him round one. His Nick touched on it with his deficiencies when he comes under pressure, and that's very accurate. I harp on Josh Rosen for his deficiencies when he comes under pressure, but Mason Rudolph, he has the same ones, and they are a little bit worse than Rosen. Another issue I have with him is he's so inconsistent. I'm sitting here, I look at his stats and everything, and you have a great game, bad game, mediocre game, great game, mediocre game, bad game, mediocre game, so on, so forth. Inconsistency, game to game. And then when you watch the tape, watch the games, it's not just game to game. It's drive to drive. It's play to play. You want some sort of consistency, stability from your quarterback position, and he just doesn't really seem to bring it. The tempo, the tempo that they run helps him a lot, and the scheme that they run helps him a lot at Oklahoma State. So that's why when you look to bring him into the NFL, you have to have that stuff around him. You have to have the right scheme. You're not He's not going to be able to come in and play most schemes. You don't want him coming in and doing that – West Coast Kubiak scheme of bootlegs, bootlegs, bootlegs. Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> you don't want you don't want him moving. He, he's a statue in the pocket. He can take off and pick up yards when need to be when needed with his legs, but you don't want him to do that. He's a statue. He's a guy you want in the pocket, moving from the pocket. What he will kill you with on when you're on defense is his brain. He uses that more than his physical tools. And I don't think his arm is very strong, but he knows how to make up for it. He's got a brain. I've talked to many different scouts about him and they all say the same thing. This kid is brilliant when it comes on the whiteboard. I talked to one person who, who's a coach at Oklahoma state, not this year, but last year, I think it was, and he left for greener pastures. And he was telling me that he sat in on this thing in the board, in the film room with Rudolph and the quarterbacks coach and the other quarterbacks and Rudolph was schooled and the quarterback coach on some of this stuff. They're sitting there, they're doing a little quiz thing about which defense is this, what's the coverage and stuff like that. And the quarterback coach whose main job is to do all this and teach these young guys was getting schooled by Rudolph. That's insane. This kid is brilliant when it comes to football. He knows where everything needs to be, what needs to happen and where to go with the football. And the scheme just helps that out even more so, making it look a lot easier than it is. I would take this guy in round four at the earliest, maybe late round three, just because of that brain. I think that is something that he can take and work with at the NFL level. I really want to see him go to the Senior Bowl. I really want to see him take that, take the chance to play against some of these guys who are the best of the best, really, and do well. I like the kid. I've heard a lot of good stuff about him off the field, about how well-liked he is, how coachable he is. I mentioned his smarts. It transcends to off the field. This is a kid that you just want to root for, but I don't see the tools to have him higher than round four. That makes a lot of sense. I I had two major issues with him when I was watching the tape, and, and the first is he really does struggle once the first read is covered. If he doesn't read the defense right, if the, the first read ends up getting covered, he, I mean, he'll lock on to that guy. I, I watched him one play. I timed it out, but I think it was – about four and a half seconds that he stayed staring at his first read. 
just couldn't come off the guy. When he finally did, he just he actually started running in circles. And I, I, I didn't even know what to call it. Uh, I guess the, the Trevor Simeon way of handling pressure. <laughs> I don't know, because there, there was no pressure. The offensive line was doing incredible. And, and he just all of a sudden panicked because that first read wasn't open and he didn't know where to go next. The alarm bells are going off. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you get that timer in your head and you start panicking. And in the NFL, we, we talk about it a lot. A lot of the game is off schedule. The, the, you're, you got guys like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, who do a lot of things on schedule. But it's because they do a lot of other little things right to make sure that happens. And I'm not saying that Rudolph can't get there, but there's just right now, that's, that's one of the big deficiencies I see. And then the other one is, and, and you guys had kind of hinted at it, is just inconsistency. I had somebody tell me that he has the best deep ball in, in college football. And I'm going, I watch this guy throw about 10 deep balls a game and about eight of them, he either completely overthrows or usually he underthrows or his receiver has about four or five yards of space and he underthrows it and the receiver just has to wait for it. And then his receivers make great catches. That, that's, he's got weapons that have, have helped his numbers. I, I just don't see that guy that's, that's on time, that's making the throw just perfect, hitting receiver in stride. The, the times I do are usually those intermediate throws where he can really step into the pocket and really rocket it in there. I say rocket it, but I'm not saying as strong as he can throw it, I guess, is, is the better way to say it. When he has that confidence to make that kind of throw, I liked his intermediate ball. That was the, the part of his game that I actually kind of enjoyed watching. That's surprising, isn't it? Because normally it's that in- intermediate pass that takes the most nuance from those guys coming from college. You know, they can have that strong arm and they hit, can hit those bubble screens, but it's that intermediate part of the field where a lot of times it mucks up for them. And that's not the case with Mason. Yeah, no, I, I loved I loved his intermediate throw ability. So I there, there's talent there, but kind of like Eric said, you got to get the right people around him. You got to get the right coaches that know how to take advantage of his skill set. You got to get the right offense that can actually play to his strengths. And and uh, you got to do that with a lot of quarterbacks. That even Tom Brady has been called the system quarterback. So I don't think that's the the worst thing you can ever say about a quarterback. But it's it's just you got to make sure that you're committed to this guy and building around him. And when I think of quarterbacks that I want to do that with, Mason Rudolph is not the kind of guy that I think of. There are better quarterbacks in this draft that if you want to build completely around, that are better than Rudolph. Right. That's, that's a good way to put it. And, but there are, there are things to really like. And there's, there's so many times in the game where you're going, oh, that was a really good play. But it just doesn't happen as often as you would like, especially for how how many times he has guys wide open. I kind of harped on this with, with Mayfield a little bit, but Mayfield at least hits the open guy pretty quickly has the arm strength to get it there a little bit, a little bit quicker. And he makes the right reads a lot more often, I would say. So there's a little bit difference there, but, but Rudolph, there's just times where he has guys wide open and he just misses them. I I can't remember who they were playing, but there's a guy wide open on a out route, a deep out route. And which is one of the tougher throws, but he overthrew the guy by about 10 yards right to the safety. Was it Texas? It might have been. I think it was Elliott that picked that one off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Texas. Holton Hill had a crazy game there. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. That's, that's Yeah. And I just I saw some of those throws where it just either flutters too much or I, he just, yeah, the consistency part of it. He's got to work on that. And I, I keep thinking of 
Brock Osweiler. Because you'd hinted at that he's a bright guy, he's a likable guy, but the arm talent's just not quite there. And and that's Brock Osweiler. He's he's a talent, he's he's a bright guy, he's well liked by his teammates, but he just doesn't have the sheer quarterback ability to be a star in the league. My comparison for him is a much he's the much better looking cousin of Mike Glennon. I think Osweiler honestly has a total tools package. I think Osweiler's probably has more tools because Osweiler actually has a little bit of athleticism where he can move around and do things. I don't really see that with Rudolph. And a, a good quote here that's really hits home for me is uh, they an area scout was speaking with Sports Illustrated and they said that Mason Rudolph is not as good as the media wants everyone to believe he is. He's actually a day three guy. His accuracy isn't as good as the numbers show. His receivers make a lot of tough catches for him, and his arm strength is adequate but not tops. What's the difference between him and Bryce Petty? And they play in a similar, that air raid offense, very quarterback friendly, easy reads, some wide open windows to throw through. And I mean, I don't, I don't dislike Mason Rudolph. Don't get me wrong. I think he has some things to work with, but I don't think you're taking this guy thinking, wow, this guy's going to be a franchise quarterback for us. We, we got our guy for the next 10 years. That's, that's not what I'm seeing on tape. And I mean, if you go to the box score, you see that he has, you know, almost, almost 5,000 yards this season, which is insane. And 35 touchdowns to nine interceptions, 170 rating. But again, this is 10, 10 uh, rushing touchdowns as well. So, I mean, he shows a little bit there, statistically speaking, but I just don't see that athleticism. I don't see the over-the-top arm strength that you'd hope you'd get from a guy that size. And even though he might be a whiz on the whiteboard, the tapes tapes got to speak the loudest. And I think if you were looking for a guy, I think I could be talking to the end of uh, round three, maybe the middle of round three, depending on if he's your guy and there's a run, but you know, we're talking about other quarterbacks. I'd rather have somebody with a little bit more physical upside, like potentially like a Riley Ferguson, than take Mason Rudolph. You both actually touched on a few things I wanted to touch on too. Carl, you brought up Baker Mayfield. And I actually think that's in a certain way is actually a good thing to hold, to use to evaluate Mason Rudolph. Baker Mayfield isn't a dummy. He makes some stupid choices on the football field with his antics and off the field with the when the police are concerned. But when it comes to the whiteboard, he's no dummy. He knows it. But you mentioned how Rudolph locks on. And Mayfield, sometimes he'll sit there and he'll lock on, but he'll move. That's the difference. You can be as smart as you want in the film room, on the whiteboard, but it has to translate onto the field. And I don't see that with Rudolph like I do with Mayfield. Then with the Osweiler thing, I'm with Nick. I don't really see Osweiler there. Osweiler's got a pretty good arm, a lot better than Rudolph's is. He's got some athleticism, but he does have the one way they are comparable is in the film room on the whiteboard. Brock Osweiler is no dummy. There's a reason why people have wanted him in their quarterbacks room with young quarterbacks. He's picked up a lot from when he was under Peyton Manning. He knows how to read defenses, but he just can't do it when it comes onto the field. And he just knows all that stuff that you want as a player coach, kind of that backup mentor quarterback. And that's kind of how Rudolph looks to be is I think that if you get him in the right system, he can be a starter, but he's not that guy. He's not that franchise guy, as Nick said. He's that guy that if you want a quarterback and you don't take one early or you miss out on ones early, you want somebody to hold you over for a year or two, he's the guy you take. He's the guy you select. You know you have the pieces there that can help him and do decently and maybe even try to develop into a – bottom mid-tier starter but he's just 
all these issues with him. He has the brains. You don't see it translate to the field. You have all these big stats, but it doesn't translate. The throws don't translate on film. The the stats are there, like, and that's great. But if you're throwing five yards short of the receiver and he's coming back and getting the ball when he has a five-yard step on the defensive back and has to come back and get it, that's not a great throw. If you're running throwing an out route and you throw it behind the receiver and it ends up being tipped and almost picked off, not a great throw. He doesn't know proper placement of footballs a lot. He's always he's multiple times I saw him put his receivers at risk, especially over the middle. And it's just all this inconsistency with him. And as I said, it's that it's he's a guy that you draft as an interim quarterback, basically. You know, Mason Rudolph, again, we we're all kind of in the same area. He's a quarterback that if you miss on that first round quarterback and you're looking for a guy to compete, especially for that backup spot, you know, definitely given everything that's said about him off the field and his intelligence, probably going to be a big get for a team as a backup because he's going to be adding a lot to the quarterback room in terms of um, dissecting film and talking about what they're seeing. And even in, even in practice, you know, I hate to use that P word with Vance Joseph giving some people PTSD saying they have great practice, but valuable player in that regard. But I just, I just don't see a future NFL starter. And if, if you're, hoping the Broncos or any team drafts in the first round, you're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. All right. Well, moving on, we have a quarterback that is definitely going to create some interesting debate here. I believe redshirt sophomore, six foot three, 230 pounds, Rose bowl winner. And now PAC 12 champion, Sam Darnold born in California, another four-star recruit played every game as a freshman and won the starting job as a sophomore partway into the season. Missed most of his junior season of high school with a broken foot, and uh, he has a lot of athletes in his family. His father was an offensive lineman, and his mother was a volleyball player at Rhode Island and a middle school physical education teacher now. His grandfather actually played basketball at USC and was an Olympic volleyball player, which is pretty interesting. And his other grandfather was a uh, well-known actor and a Los Angeles fire department captain. I'm pretty sure that grandpa's name was Dick Hammer. How awesome is that? I'm <laughs> not even kidding. And his grandmother also was a notable volleyball player and basketball player. And his uncle was a volleyball player at Long Beach State. And multiple of his cousins have played volleyball. So if things don't work out for Sam Darnold in football, sounds like he's got the just a shoe in be a volleyball player because it's in his blood. He is just kind of a fun little tidbit here. He's a movie fanatic, always talking about movies, obsessed with them. And a um, the very shy kid as a child. Even there's talks of him hiding behind his mother's legs when strangers would be around. His mother even had him evaluated before attending kindergarten because Sam barely spoke a word. Just a very shy kid, but you know, hearing him interview now, he he still kind of comes off as a little bit of an introvert, but definitely a guy that his teammates rally around, love him, his coaches love him. And he spent this last offseason working with quarterback guru, former NFL quarterback, Jordan Palmer, who's worked on his mechanics and his release, which we'll get to here in a little bit. He does have a unorthodox release when throwing the football, but just a very interesting quarterback. And, you know, people were talking him up, especially at that, that very exciting, probably one of the better Rose Bowls in years, that USC Penn State game last year, which was just a back and forth barn burner. So much fun. But some people were saying, you know, the, no doubt, number one prospect if he comes out, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And I think that's a little bit of hyperbole, but still a very talented kid and wouldn't surprise me one bit if he ended up a top three pick in this draft class if he does come out. And I'm going to kick it off because I know he is the, the least big fan of the three of us. Eric, why don't you start off? First of all, he, his grandfather is Dick Hammer. And that's who, so he, that's who he replied as to the best athlete in his family is Dick Hammer in an interview with on the Dan Patrick show. Dick Hammer. That's just that's that moves you up a whole gra- round grade in my evaluation. Awesome names. How can he be when he's still a top 
fifteen player. He's a first round pick. So yeah. he's gonna be the negative negative first round pick, like the zeroth round. <laughs> zeroth round. Anyways, as for my evaluation on him, I, I've still gotta go and watch a couple games of his. I've watched most of USC this year. I like a lot of what I see. He has a lot of tools, he has a lot of things that you want in an NFL quarterback. He's my number three quarterback behind Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, though I think he would be, if he comes out, the number one, maybe number two pick behind Josh Rosen. I think he's best suited returning to school, though. When I'm watching him, I see a lot of things on the field that make me question his transition to the NFL level right now, and it's just stuff that I want to go see him return to school and work on cleaning up. Arm talent's there, even with that wonky release. There was a throw against, in the Pac-12 championship game, from the end zone, Stanford was all over him, and he nails it. Granted, the receiver was wide open because the defensive back fell over, but this throw was fantastic. The ability to move around in the pocket, to make the throw while falling down. There was one that Aaron Rodgers made a year or two ago that was very similar to this. And it's just fantastic to watch him make these throws. Then you turn around and see him get nowhere near a receiver and throw it to the other side. So there's a big question of him reading defenses. And that's one of the deficiencies I want to see him return to school and try to work on. I want to see it translate to film better. I hear a lot of good about it when in the film room on the whiteboard. But as we talked about with Rudolph, we got to see it translate to the field. And at times it's there. At times it isn't. A little bit more consistently with reading it. More time comes, and yes, he could learn that from the NFL level, from playing games. One of the best ways to grow as a player is to be out on the field. That's one reason why Denver may have such a bad issue at quarterback. But at the NFL level, there's a much, much higher amount of pressure on you, especially if you're the number one or number two pick. Those are the picks that you have one or two years with the coaching staff, and if you fail, you're likely gone because the coaching staff's gone. The people who wanted you, the people who drafted you, are gone so you got that one or two years and that's a lot of pressure just return to school work on those deficiencies take out the insurance policy just in case you get hurt i doubt that he'll play so poorly next year that he fall plummets in the draft because of that he'll still likely be a top five pick next year plus next year you might have some you know sight on where the browns are picking and if they take josh rosen you don't have to risk being taken by the browns as there was a report that Donald was looking at returning to school if the Browns end up with the number one pick a few weeks ago. So return to school, work on those deficiencies. If you come out, great. It's better for Denver because that means that's another player that's going to be going probably number three at worst. So it helps out Denver, has a little bit better talent, fall to Denver wherever they may be picking, four, five, six, wherever. Two. No. Fingers crossed. But I just want to see him return to school. I like the kid. I like a lot of what he brings to the table. The deficiencies I see that make me think he should return to school is what is keeping him from being more higher than number three on my quarterback board. I, I can't hardly disagree with any of that. There's definitely some deficiencies to his game. I watched all of his interceptions earlier today. Oh, that was brilliant. And By Mark. Mark Schofield. Schofield inside if, the pylon. If Yeah, if you can follow him on Twitter. He put out a video, and he did this for... Deshaun Watson last year just to kind of show why interceptions were thrown are they fixable things is this more of a reading a defense issue is this a technical issue and with Arnold honestly it comes down to a little bit of both you you watch the video and you can see one of the big issues with him is his footwork he when he, he throws a bad interception most of the time it's usually because his he doesn't step into the throw 
he throws off his back foot or he'll step to the side and he loses all accuracy and he loses velocity. And so he underthrows the wide receiver. But also you see in, in some of those plays, and he did this against Stanford in the first time that they played them where he threw two interceptions. And it was pretty identical type situations where he threw into double coverage. He went for the big play instead of taking the, the simpler, easier throw that would have gotten him a first down. He just didn't see either the safety coming over or the linebacker underneath that just watched his eyes and watched him go right to the receiver. And so there's, there's those kind of things that he absolutely has to work on. But the reason that I have Sam Darnold as my number one quarterback in this draft is he has some throws that just wow you. He has some tight window where only the wide receiver can catch the football kind of throws. And, and I think that's part of the reason he'll make those kind of throws that get picked off is because he trusts his arm almost a little too much. But I also love, after an interception, what you see after that is, is a guy that's still confident. One of the, the big things you see in the NFL is quarterbacks that can forget what happened. We, we've seen it with Trevor Simeon this year. What has happened? One interception happens, and he just snowballs. He just doesn't trust his eyes, doesn't trust what's going on in the field, doesn't trust his offensive line, just doesn't trust anybody. And he just curls up in the fetal position and game over. Darnold, he'll go right back to another deep throw and connect with the wide receiver for a big play. So I love that confidence. I love some of that aggressiveness. There's just sometimes has to, you just have, you got to be careful with some of that. You got to know when to, to take those chances. And I think Darnold takes a few too many chances. But again, he makes some throws that wow you. He makes some plays. We, we've been talking about with Mason Rudolph, with, uh, with Rosen, where they struggle when pressure gets to their face. Darnold, he almost thrives sometimes when pressure is all around him. I watched one play where it was supposed to be a handoff to the running back. Or uh, I'm not quite sure. It was uh, might have been a handoff to a running back, or at least the running back knocked the ball out of his hand. A fumble on the ground, and most quarterbacks' first instinct, let's just fall on this, which makes a lot of sense. Darnold picks it up, doesn't panic, as calm as can be, throws it down the field, big play. I, I just I had to rewind that play a few times because I'm going, did that really just happen? <laughs> this guy just picked up a fumble and somehow turned it into a huge play for their team. There's other times where a defender will have a hold of him and he somehow escapes. He has great balance and, and he'll come out and turn a negative play into a positive play. And so those kind of things, just being able to play off the, the schedule is amazing. But he also has the ability to play in rhythm. He can play from the pocket. And then he also has decent athleticism that if you need him to, he'll go out there and pick up a first down. They had quite a few uh, just quarterback runs called throughout different games just to keep a defense honest. And so there's just things like that, that I just really love. And I love his competitiveness. We talked about that with, with Mayfield. I think Darnold is not quite to that level, but he's pretty close. There's he's like quiet competitive where Mayfield's in your face competitive. Right. Yeah. He'll, he'll do it with his absolute play on the field. He won't sit there and grab his crotch to 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 prove his point but he'll go out there and just you'll be down by 10 points and somehow Darnold brings him back he just never loses that confidence and that really rubs off on the team like I said same with Mayfield that confidence wears on there just it, it spreads throughout the entire team I remember hearing that with John Elway where he would get into the huddle and he'd just say we're gonna go score a touchdown and the rest of the team went 
all right. <laughs> like they just believed it. They could see it in his eyes that this is going to happen. And so that's why, again, I just love Darnold. I, I just see that fire in him. I see that confidence that we're going to go win this game. I'm going to be the guy that leads us. And I'm going to make that throw that just wows people to, to win this game. There's just so many other quarterbacks that just curl up in that, in that moment. He thrives in it. He loves it. So, again, that's why I have him as my quarterback one. I, you're going to have your struggles year one. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions. He's going to have some fumbles when he's trying to do too much. But I also know that this is about a, a two- to three-year building project for this Bronco team. And so I feel like Darnold is one of those guys that he can learn on the field. He's going to have his struggles. But once he gets it, once he has everything start clicking, he is a guy that can become a top-five quarterback in this league. Yeah, for me, I am a big fan of him as well. And it has to do with, honestly, when I was doing my big board, I was going back and forth between Rosen or Darnold, number one. And for me, what it came down to was the reported personality difference between Rosen and Darnold. Darnold's a guy that teammates rallying around him. I've heard not as much, that so much about Rosen. Granted, you know, this is totally hearsay. So I'm going off what I've been told, what I've heard. But also it's just that athletic factor. You know, Rosen's a guy where, you want to have that wide receiver core around him. You want to have that great offensive line around him. Otherwise, he's he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to make those plays outside of structure that, you know, when things are down and everything or things are breaking down around him, I don't really see him making that play, especially with his legs. And if it's close, I'm going to lean with a guy who shows a little bit more athleticism. To me, Rosen is a... I, I always kind of like to people like you do straight up comparisons. I like to do hybrid comparisons because you know, no guy's ever exactly the same, but just kind of get an idea of their profile. To me, Rosen is very much like Eli Manning and Matt Ryan, where they can sit there in the pocket and dissect you, especially when they have great offensive line and weapons around them. I mean, when you have things around them, those guys can be as good as any quarterback, especially when they get in rhythm. But for me, I see Darnold. He's more of a Philip rivers slash Tony Romo, where it's just some of the plays, especially out of the pocket, it's just, it's magic. How did, how did he escape that tackle? How did he um, shake that linebacker? How did he get that third and 15 where he drug a safety and a linebacker three yards? I mean, you just don't typically see that from a quarterback. And he kind of, I mean, it's not Tim Tebow level, but he's, he's a pretty thick dude. Like he's, he's well built. He's going to, he's going to be able to take some pounding and uh, you obviously don't want him being a, a straight up runner in the NFL, but that ability to extend plays, with his leg. I mean, some, some of the throws that he's made, I mean, they're not like Josh Allen throwing it across his body, 60 yards down the field, Madden style, but just especially a guy, you know, hitting a slant or somebody up the seam while Darnold's cutting around traffic when pockets broken down is pretty special. Uh, That said, his, his arm motion, he still dips that ball pretty low. I would say that his throwing mechanics this season compared to his freshman season have been improved, so hats off to Jordan Palmer for that because I did see a pretty big step forward this season in terms of his mechanics. Even though he does have a decently long windup, the ball does get out quick, in my opinion, and uh, has plenty of mustard on it. I mean, he's not the strongest arm quarterback. Some people make it out that he has a cannon. I don't think he has a cannon, but he has the arm to make any throw and play in any scheme. I would say that his arm is as strong or stronger than at least when he has to fire it in there. When I've seen him have to throw with heat, I'd say it is stronger than Mayfield or Rosen. Granted, you know, Jamarcus Russell maybe has the strongest arm ever and he's a garbage quarterback. So that's not everything, but it does matter. Darnold has, I think developed a little bit of an issue this year where he has started to drop his eyes. If the first read isn't there. And that's something that concerns me 
because you know you don't want those guys dropping their eyes and vacating the pocket if that first read isn't there. Granted, a lot of times when he does that, he will work his way around and then get his eyes downfield, and he'll find that open guy in chaos and make a big play. You know that that classic Russell Wilson where he's running around. He's not the athlete Russell Wilson is, but you know outside of pocket, outside of structure, that's the the best quarterback in the NFL when it comes to that. Maybe Aaron Rodgers. That's another one. But I love that about him, and I just I know it's totally a something not statistical and you know, unintendable, but like he just comes off as just such a clutch quarterback watching him in that Penn state game last year in that Texas game last year, they're the biggest plays third and 15 fourth down. You see this guy making plays that are just like, wow, this guy is ice in his veins. So I'm, I'm, I love a lot. What I see, obviously Josh Rosen is much more a guy that you're going to step in day one and he's going to look better, but it's not about that day one projection. When you're taking a guy, it's about what are they going to be three years from now? five years from now, at least when I'm thinking about it. Obviously, you know, you have to put in a part of the evaluation what they're going to be day one, but you also have to think about what they are going to be. Granted, I don't really trust the Broncos coaches right now to develop a quarterback with the Pax and Lynch flub that this has been, but I'm guessing a new new staff next year, and maybe a, if you took a guy like Darnold or Rosen that early, it'd be a different scenario because you have that top five pick. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a big fan of him. And I think that if the Broncos want a chance at him, they're going to have to be picking two. Even then, I don't think, I mean, the Browns could definitely take him, but there's no way that he gets past both the Browns and the Giants. So we'll see what happens. And Eric, I want to point out to you, or, or call it your point where you say Darnold needs to go back. Let's be Bronco fans for a second. Darnold really needs to come out. <laughs> for, for his sake, you know, it'll probably be great for him to take out that insurance policy and go back because he does have some issues on tape, uh, especially turnovers this year. Granted, I think they're a little bit, overblown last year i was one of the people who fell into that trap where oh my gosh deshaun watson threw some interceptions this year he's maybe overrated that was a mistake deshaun watson's a baller and i overlooked some of those interceptions i'd rather have that guy trusting his arm a little bit and then honing it back i I prefer a gunslinger to a game manager that's just that's just my style we can get that gunslinger game manager and luke falk oh my gosh stop it Ah. <laughs> Sorry, that's, gonna, what had, that's what I had a fan tell me earlier about a week and a half ago that he's a gunslinger game manager. And that said, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Doesn't make any sense. And they said, "Well, if you watched him, you'd understand." I yeah. have watched him, and I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Luke Falk is a borderline undraftable quarterback in my opinion. At least for what I like in my quarterbacks, I like guys with good size, a decent arm, and some athleticism. And Falk, what is he? He might be six three or six four, so he has some size, but athleticism and arm strength, heck no, heck no. So yeah, um, bringing it back. I'm a big fan of Darnold, and I think if the Broncos have a chance to get him, I I would be ecstatic to bring him in and build around him because I think he has tremendous potential and he has the intangibles that I think are as high as you could be as they could be for a quarterback. All right. I sent out a couple while you were talking, Nick. I sent out a couple texts, or maybe while Carl was talking. While one of you were talking, I sent out a couple texts and an email to some of my scout sources. I wanted to catch on something, and I'm going to touch on them. First one is actually a question. What type of offense does USC run? They run a spread. They use a lot of tunnel screens, bubble screens. Um, Darnold's mostly in shotgun, so he's definitely going to have to take a little bit of a transition um, going from the – I wouldn't say it's an air raid, but they definitely run – run it based on uh, RPOs. Uh, and I'd say the offense runs as much through Ronald Jones as it does Sam Darnold. You're partially correct. This is what a, this is what a scout told me. No one can pinpoint what the USC offense is because it's a mixture of so many different things. Oh, well, there you go. I see a fair amount of tunnel screens and bubble screens. There, and- 
RPOs he, and whatnot. He goes on to clarify that they do run a lot of the, the spread offense concepts and stuff like that, but they just use a mixture of everything. They don't have one thing. So they have Donald under center every now and then. I've seen it on film. They had do all these different concepts with them. They have them throw into tight windows. They don't rely on the receivers getting open to make the throw like some of these other quarterbacks. So there's – I see a lot of these people raising questions about that. I saw I – saw what made me ask the question about the scheme was on Twitter I saw somebody talking about it and just completely ripping them for just running a complete air raid spread offense. And that didn't seem right to me. No. So I wanted to, I, I wanted to touch on that, and I asked the source about it, and this is a guy who he, – he knows. I'll, I'll just say that. He knows. And he says, if you saw the playbook, you would be amazed at how many different concepts there are. Another source I talked to, and this was a guy who used to be with the Green Bay Packers. He worked there from, I think, 2002 to 2005 or 2006. He was a scout. He was sent to watch a certain California quarterback. And I was talking to him the other day, actually. This wasn't one from today. I was talking to him, and he kept bringing up Aaron Rodgers when talking about Darnold. So... The tweet, I, the message I sent him now was, is this a direct comparison that as Donald and Rodgers? And he goes, no. But if you watch the play style of both of them a lot in college, you can see so many similarities. You can see the movement in the pocket. You can see the ability to make the throw under pressure. I, t- I mentioned that earlier. And he mentioned something else. I'd have to pull up the uh, email again about it. But he sees a lot of Aaron, Donald, Aaron Rodgers in Donald. But he also touched on, I think it was you, Nick, who mentioned it, who see, he's also sees some Philip Rivers and Tony Romo. You're giving me a prospect bono over here. So just, <laughs> just be careful. Please be careful. I loved them before, but now you threw out the air. I thought I was being like pretty, you know, hyping them up with the Rivers and Romo comps, who I think are two guys that are probably some of the most underrated quarterbacks over the last decade, at least as far as what they did with their teams and what their teams were um, around them, you know, not great teams around them. But then you throw in the Aaron Rodgers comp. Oh. Okay, it's not oh. a direct comparison. I know. He's just, he's just... just bringing in the aspects of their game oh. you can see in Donald's. Oh. And from what I understood, the first source I asked, the one about the scheme, after I got that response, I sent him another email, and I asked on it. And Sam Donald, when he first went into college, sat down with tape of every Packers game that Rodgers has played in, a lot of Philip Rivers, a lot of Brady, a lot of the greats who are currently playing. Even Peyton Manning he went and watched. And he tries to emulate them. He tries to take it and bring it on the field. He, From what I understood is that he's read a lot of stuff about how Peyton Manning prepares for games, about how Brady prepares for games. And he tries to emulate that as well. So he knows what he needs to be doing, and he's trying to do it. I, I think that's just actually absolutely great to see in a prospect. You have so many quarterbacks and players from all these different positions nowadays who come in and think they're the bee's knees and can do it all. There's a story actually from a couple of years ago of a guy coming in, a rookie, and was trying to tell a veteran who was a pro bowler, an all-pro veteran, what to do, that how he was doing something was wrong. So come game time during the preseason, it was like the second game, the veteran continued to do what he was doing. One of the times he got burned for a little bit for a big gain. Then he turned around the next drive and had a pick six doing the same thing. And he went over to the rookie and said, this is why I do it how I do it. You bait the quarterback into sleep and then you make them pay. So you can't have that. You can't have these quarter these quarterbacks or any player rookie coming in thinking they know all that. And Darnold doesn't. I could see it with Rosen. I could see it with Mayfield. I could see it with 
Rudolph or all these other confident guys in themselves who think that they're the bee's knees and are going to come in and act like they're everything to the franchise from day one. Darnold knows he isn't. And that is one thing that I absolutely think is fantastic about him. That said, I still think he should return to school and nothing can change my mind on that. Except the Broncos having a top pick and Darnold coming out means even if we don't get Darnold pushing down talent to the Broncos, if they're not picking high enough for him. Okay, in my first time talking, I mentioned as a Broncos fan, him coming out would be great for Denver because it okay. pushes talent yeah. down. Yes. I mentioned that the first time I talked. Yes, I, you but, come out. <laughs> come out, please. <laughs> but as somebody who roots for all these guys, even the players I don't like, I still root for these guys to prove me wrong. I hope that for his sake, for his career, that he does return because I think that it would actually be better for him than coming out now. You know what would be the best for him coming out? is if he ended up with the Patriots. Oh, shut up. Gosh. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> you know, seriously, potentially... if you think about that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> Out of Cleveland. Have him come to Denver. See, my, my plan, I got it set up. I'm going to write an article about it. Bring in uh-huh. Frank, Frank Reich. Bring in uh, Flippo from the, off the uh, quarterback coach for the Eagles who have done a phenomenal job developing Wentz who wasn't ready day one, you know. A uh, guy that they are implementing okay. some college offense offense schemes to help Carson along. Uh, okay, I got to in. interject here, okay? Because if Denver hires Frank Reich to be the head coach, D. Filippo would be hired immediately as the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He wouldn't bring him along. I don't think Philadelphia would let it. They can block position coaches oh, to coordinate. You're right. So boom, there goes your plan. Okay, well let me have my plan because we're not probably going to get Darnold either. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, do that. Bring Josh McCown in for a one or two year deal. Just veteran guy that decently athletic, you know, not going to cost a lot of money. And then you have Darnold come in and hopefully beat him out in training camp because I think McCown's a good veteran to have around there. But worst case, you know, McCown starts four games, six games, and then you can make that transition to Darnold. That's the dream. That's what I'm hoping for right now. Because, I mean, I was in love with Darnold, and then you started saying that stuff that I didn't even know about him taking all that tape, being that kind of guy too. So, all right, well, I'm in love. We can end the podcast. There's no more draft podcasts. We're just going to have a Sam Darnold one-hour Bronco podcast every week from now on. <laughs> Eric, you can come back if you want. That's, I think Carl and I are okay with it, so it's a majority rule. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, yeah, I've, I'm a big fan. I like a lot what I see. I understand what you're saying, that he need, probably has some uh, mechanical things and mental things that they're going to take some time that he needs to do better, but I'm honestly okay with him coming out, and if the Broncos took him, just rolling with it. You know, you spend that investment on him, uh, you know, Potentially you have a veteran that comes in and plays that Mike Glennon role, excuse me, where, uh, you know, he's, he's warming that bench, but that's fine. I'm okay with that. And I think that the, the upside with Darnold is tremendous. But that being said, if the Giants and the Browns had the first and second pick, there's, and Darnold does come out, there's no way in hell that the Broncos are going to get him because those two teams are going to take those quarterbacks. Can't disagree. <sighs> oh. Man, Eric, you broke my heart saying that he's, Philip Rivers, Romo, and Rogers. <laughs> the three R's. <sighs> the three quarterbacks should emulate the three R's. Yeah. That's seriously tough. Well, so now we need we need to uh maybe we have a revenge tour by Eli Manning, sabotaging the uh the Giants, winning some football games down the stretch. Mm. And uh maybe Jimmy Garoppolo wins enough games. And if the Broncos are starting Simeon, I mean, gosh, we shouldn't be favored in any games. I don't even care. He's been that horrible. So but the Simeon effect. Simeon will probably beat the freaking Colts or something. It's 
screw us over <sighs> one more time. Yeah. <laughs> Even when we want you to lose, you can't pull through. Like, all right, well, you guys got anything else? In Osweiler. Offense looked better under Osweiler, but I swear that they'll still lose. I'm fine rolling with Simeon. He's the tank commander at this point. Yeah. I'm even okay with it. We also don't know what Simeon's going to be on the roster next year. I'm pretty sure Brock won't be here. So maybe if Simeon shows anything, maybe he can get us a conditional seventh round pick. Osweiler might simply because of that brain he has and the preparation. He's taught Lynch a lot. Granted, Lynch hasn't exactly pinned out. But the coaches in Cleveland, they wanted to keep Osweiler, too, because of his preparation, and they thought that a lot of his good qualities couldn't rub off of on Kaiser, who the general managers wanted. But money, that played effect, and so did the whole fact that the front office of the Browns hate the coaching staff, and the coaching staff hates the front office. And here we are. All right, well, before we move on to this next segment, we wanted to say thank you once again to our fantastic sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Once you are finished with listening to all of the Huddle Up podcasts, you know, whether it be Will or Chad uh, breaking down the games that just happened, or Carl and myself breaking down the previews, or even Carl, Eric, and myself, go check out audible and see what they have to offer they got again over 180,000 titles to choose from so you're gonna have to have plenty of time to choose books and you're gonna have some long car rides i'm sure everybody listening out there heading to your destinations for the holidays coming up or just wanting to tune out your in-laws from arguing over politics or you don't want to hear them talk crap to you about the broncos anymore put in your earbuds put in a book tune them out and enjoy audible all right well carl's heading out because he's on vacation with his family so Good luck to him. No, I'm just kidding. Gotta love that family vacay time. It's a uh, most wonderful time of the year, but that means that we have Eric and myself from here on out, and wasn't sure what we were going to do with this section, but as we are wrapping up quarterbacks, I figured that we would give our current top 10 on quarterback rankings and then start it with running backs next week. So first off, I don't know if, Eric, you don't have your stuff written down here. That's okay, but let's start from the top. Um, your number one quarterback is... Baker Mayfield. We represent the Lollipop <laughs> Guild. The Lollipop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, man. I'm, I've been impressed with Baker more and more. That game against TCU, calm, uh, composed. I'm, I think that I really hope that he goes to the Senior Bowl. For his own sake, I want him to go in front of those scouts, in front of the coaches, in front of the front office people, because I think he has that personality where if you don't know him, he might rub off the wrong way, but – if you're in there in that room with him, talking with him, you know, getting excited, talking football, I think he might really impress. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that he shows okay. You know, I'm not pulling for Oklahoma. I'm, I'm not a Big 12 guy. I'd rather see Georgia win, but that game would be fun. And, man, can you imagine Baker Mayfield versus Clemson or Alabama in the championship? Must watch TV. Must watch TV. Yeah, you mentioned the TCU game. I think he answered a lot of questions in that one. I saw him hit a lot of tight window throws, and that's one I know that Carl – had some issues with the tight window. I do want to see another bad weather game that, what, Kansas game? Is that the one that yeah, was windy? I saw that. I, I still haven't gotten around to fully watching that one, but I did see that the wind was affecting him some. But I do think he does need to go to the Senior Bowl, not so much for the practices, but for the meetings. He needs to go, and he needs to answer some questions that are going to be arising about his maturity, about grabbing his crotch, about nailing a player in the head who was running through their warm-ups, 
about the legal issues with the police, all that stuff. He's got to go and answer those questions. Are you mature enough? Case yeah. in point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, he's moving up my board. I actually had him QB4 behind Lamar Jackson before that TCU game. And he's, he's moving up. I'm, he's growing on me. I don't think he's a, uh, I don't think he'll make an appearance in my top 10 of my big board, but he is right there. And I have him as a upper half of the first round player right now. The quarterback obviously gets a boost, but I'm, I'm liking more and more of what I'm seeing. So yeah. And congrats people, to you, congrats to you convincing me. People always want to talk about the defenses in that conference, but they're bad. TC, they are, but TCU was allowing under 13 points per average per game besides Oklahoma. Yeah. Who put up 70 over two games on them. But that's that's insane. TCU is a great defense and he shredded them. I get, I still understand that you're not seeing him face that consistent, great defenses like normal. I think TCU, that level of defense should answer some questions about the caliber of defense he was facing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. One thing that TCU to me, it's more about, the scheme Patterson's scheme than it is the talent on that defense. I look at that defense. I don't see much NFL talent. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I don't, none of those names stick out to me and I don't see anybody with traits that stick out kind of like what Texas has. So this Georgia game will be big for me. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of NFL talent on that Georgia defense. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be a fun game to watch. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of what Baker Mayfield. The person has shown no offense. I mean, just the maturity stuff. It rubs me the wrong way. Kind of like some other guys have rubbed me the wrong way, you know. But <laughs> that being said, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hold that in. After I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that in. I'm not even gonna edit that out. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, I'm. Just, <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I'm with you. So anyway, we're not gonna get too much into this Baker Mayfield stuff. But my number one quarterback, already talked about it. It's the, uh, the. Birth child of Tony Romo, Philip Rivers, and now Aaron Rodgers, Sam Darnold. I just love that upside. I think he's got the intangibles as well, and I think I, I would be head over heels. If the Broncos drafted him, I would literally order that jersey the day of. I would have to get it. So number two quarterback, I guess we'll snake this. My number two quarterback, I'm guessing is your number two quarterback as well, Josh Rosen. There are some questions about the uh, personality, you know, clashing with coaches, maybe some teammates, but that kid is talented. Watching him on tape, he perfect mechanics. Uh, does have he's not perfect you know he's not an incredible athlete um his mechanics can falter under pressure but he's lifted up a team that's devoid of talent especially on offense around him i don't understand the uh who is that left tackle that all of a sudden is getting first round hype colton miller i think his name is <laughs> oh what the heck insane. yeah what the heck i do not see that i do not see that and he has a tight end caleb wilson who's pretty talented but other than that not a very good offense and rosen's lifted them up so i think if you want a day one starter who's going to come in and be able to move the football rosen's the guy i agree and here's some insight on how I grade my players. I do 1 to 50. It's a scoring metric. 1 to 50. If you're above a certain point, you're a first-round pick. Second, above a certain point, you're a second-round pick. But below, the, yeah, should be self-explanatory. Now, I have my top three quarterbacks are within 0.5 points of each other. Your top three? My top three quarterbacks are within 0.5 points of each other. That's pretty incredible. I think it's like – I think it's – 56.7 to 56.2, I think, is the, the range there. Wow. Josh well, Rosen would be my number one quarterback if it just was that under pressure. That's it. Just I don't like what I see under pressure. And with the state of NFL lines at the the way it is, it, it, it knocked a few points down. 
Yeah, as it should. I think it is better this season, which is important. I saw him climb in that pocket and being a little bit better under pressure. That game against USC, which is probably one of the better defenses he'll play this year, was pretty impressive. He climbed that pocket and threw some ones down the field, but the question still remains. Yeah, I agree that he does look better, but it's still not good enough for me. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's it's still noteworthy. Yeah. All right, well, your number three quarterback is? Sam Darnold. Yep, you don't probably need to spend too much time talking about it, but yeah, Sam Darnold. Uh, if, if if you want to know why, you can just go back and listen or just remember what I was saying earlier. It's just those things, and I really do think that he should just return to school, work on those deficiencies. Or he can come to Denver and just work on those deficiencies. That'd be okay, too. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned the lack of trust in Denver coaches developing a quarterback. Would you really want them to get their hands on Darnold? Not with the guys they have right now. No. <laughs> it, de- it depends on what we have. Yeah, it depends on what we have. So we'll see. But uh, definitely, I'm not really trusting. Although Musgrave's done some things too. I just, I don't, I don't think this coaching staff that we have right now is going to be here. So that's, that's kind of what I'm banking on. Total rebuild. Um, start with the quarterback, especially if you're picking top five and you have a chance at that guy. Go get him. You're not going to be there very often. At least Denver is not there very often. And you see a team like the Browns who every year they're like, oh, we're picking top three and we have a chance at this quarterback. But you know what? Let's trade down. Let's and then they, they take. Yeah, let's take Cam Irving and Drill Jeez. Peppers. And then you see guys like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson just lighting up the league. And you know, all the Browns fans are like, why did we do this again? If you have a chance at that franchise guy and you think they can be a franchise guy and you don't have one already, go get him. It's that simple to me. I don't think, I think people overthink it. Go get the franchise guy. You know, if it's, what's, what's the point of building around, building an offense around a hypo, hypothetical franchise quarterback when you don't have the franchise quarterback? What's the saying? Fool you me know? once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, or do I have that backwards? Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Because if it's happened okay. two times, that's but, yeah. my fault. Okay, but the Browns are like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on you, fool me three times, shame on you. Fool me the 5,672nd time, shame on you. Yeah, they're, they suck. So I feel bad for whatever quarterback they take. But they do have some offensive pieces. Maybe they'll turn it around. I mean, football might be more interesting if the Browns didn't suck every year. I mentioned it to you in the chat, and I'll mention it in our group chat earlier, and I'll mention it on the podcast. I think the Browns would be smart to take Rosen and the LSU running back, whose name slipped my mind. Darius Geis. Yes, Geis. I think that with the weapons they have already on that offense, they have David Njoku, they Gordon. have Gordon, Coleman. Coleman. They have a lot of young pieces, and that offensive line is is growing. Granted, there's still some weak points, but they, there's just still a, great, a pretty good unit. They're solid. That's a good offense yeah. on paper. It's just you have to get the right coach. You have to and you have to completely overhaul the front office, and you have to get the owner his hands out of it a little bit. Yeah. Can't disagree. Well, my number three and my number four guys are Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Um, talked about Baker. I do have some issues potentially with hand size, um, maturity, uh, tight window throws. Granted, you saw it more in the TCU game. The UGA game is going to be big. And uh, how he handles himself in this postseason, the whole thing, combine, senior bowl are, are going to be big. But he's moving up my board quickly. And I love Lamar Jackson's upside. He's, I just think he's probably a guy who needs to probably – Come in slowly. I think he's got some erratic mechanical stuff right now that are going to, it's going to take a little bit of time to work on, but man, what an electric, electric athlete. And the people who are saying he's going to be a wide receiver that just, I, I know it's probably some NFL guys that are feeding it, but that just makes me sad. I'd love to see this guy get a chance at quarterback. Agreed. And Jackson's my number four quarterback as well. All right. Who is your number five? Ryan Finley. Woo. Okay. I, I have a lot of issues with him, but I'm looking at these other guys that I have below him and I just, 
I'm not seeing anybody I would take over him. I think that he's a maybe if you have the right pieces, I can see a late second round pick, but I would prefer third, like mid third. Yeah. But uh, it's just a matter of the fact that after the top four, I don't see anything good. I just see a bunch of trash, basically. I mean, there's some there's some guys who are moving up my board a little bit, and my board is outdated. It is a few weeks old. I think it's almost a month old. Um, the Auburn quarterback, he's one who's rising up my board too. Oh, so he may actually end up at at number five. Is he coming right? out? He was such a boss in that. Even though they lost against Georgia, he made some throws that were like, "Wow, that guy he was can throw." He was, and he's like Darnold. I think he, I think he might is leaning towards coming out. I have an email somewhere about it. Oh man, if he's coming but out, I've got to change my rankings. Returns. <laughs> yeah, no, he's has t- tools, man. I'm a, he makes me excited. Yeah. Well, shoot, but, Stidham would be my number five as well if he's coming out. Yeah, I I have him on my board just because I I think he does come out. I don't think he should. But this was before I saw a few games of his. I mean, I saw. I think I watched three games of his when I made the board. But I've seen now. I think eight games of his. So he's definitely rising up my board. He's just he's gotten better and better every week too. Yeah. Like he's gotten so, better in that system. And I I I really I didn't think he was coming out. I thought there was no way he was going to come out. Yeah. But if he I, does, I he's somebody he I'm strongly considering. But yeah, yeah, if he if he does come out, I will put him at number five over Finley. All right. Well, I'll read my five, six, and seven just for funsies, so we can move it along here. My number five is Josh Allen, athletic upside. I know it's erratic, but he just seems like an LA guy. And I, after that, a bunch of these guys seem like projects to me. So I'm going to take the project, the highest upside project. I don't think he six, does have the highest upside, though. You don't think so? The, the no. In terms of physical traits? No, I don't think he does. I think he's got a lot of the physical tools and stuff like that. But how big of a, how far can you go without a brain? That's going to be the big question. I need to see on the whiteboards. I, I, we look at all these other quarterbacks who had all these physical tools. You mentioned Jamarcus Russell, who has had one of the, probably the strongest arms. I think the most successful guy with a really strong arm, like in recent years, not counting old Brett, is probably Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Yep. Matt Stafford, maybe. Matt Stafford's up there too. But those guys have a brain. Yeah. Somewhat. At least. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, I'll need to see. I haven't heard very much about Josh Allen's ability on the whiteboard. I don't think he's a dummy, but you know that's that remains to be seen. Um, and number six is a guy that you don't like, but I know one of our Twitter followers that we talk with that you respect a lot, uh, John, is a big fan of him. Says he's potentially quarterback one. I know you love John, but you don't like this take. Uh, Clayton Thorson, my number six. Um, I need to watch more of him still. But the little bit I've seen, I've seen some athleticism. I've seen some arm. His mechanics can be a little bit wacky, but I see something to work with there in terms of a total package. My number seven is Riley Ferguson. We've talked about him on here. Um, again, guy with big size, needs to add some muscle to his frame, uh, needs to work under center a little bit more develop. But I think in terms of the arm strength, size, athleticism, ability to throw with touch and timing, I think Ferguson has a chance to be a guy that could uh, move up and be one of those guys that when he's drafted, teams are, are – media and fans are like really that guy went that high so i i like a lot what i see from ferguson yeah and since you got what you went to seven i went to five six seven there yeah right since i gave my five that it's finley but maybe um sit him six would depend on sit him obviously if he comes out then finley moves down to six yeah but right now with stidham uh, as a question mark it's mason rudolph as my number six quarterback and riley ferguson as my number seven all right yeah 
My number eight is Mason Rudolph. We talked about him. I, I just, I don't know. He's, he's okay. And I'd love to have him as a backup, but he, to me, he's a late round three, early to mid round four guy. Uh, then I have Will Greer who very inconsistent, but his mechanics, especially his base are all over the place. I, he's a guy that I can't believe is coming out, but I like the size. I like the ability to play out of the pocket in the pocket, um, stretch teams vertically. And I think he has a chance to be a, a developmental quarterback. And my number 10, I'm kind of back and forth here uh, between Turt ben, uh, Kurt Benkert from Virginia, uh, transfer from ECU, good arm, a little bit erratic. Uh, needs, he's a senior bowl invite, so he'll be one to watch. And then I have a Ryan Finley here with a question mark because I'm not sure he's going to come out. If Finley does come out, I think I'd have Finley over Benkert because he looks like he's a guy who can run an offense better than Benkert can because Benkert's just a little bit too erratic for me. Yeah, I haven't watched Benkert, so I can't. He's not in my top 10. Um, or even in my top 15, which is what my board actually is. Uh, mm-hmm. My number eight player is Josh Allen. Again, I see the physical tools. I haven't heard some good stuff about him mentally with the smarts and on the whiteboard and all that stuff. So it's after watching all these other big guys, big um, physical tool guys, I can't – I just can't get on board with it. Um, Stidham on my board is number nine – from this, but as I said, it was a few weeks out. It's a few weeks outdated, and he would move up if he's coming out. So taking him out, since I think he should return, I have Nick Shimonek at number nine Ooh. and Clayton Thorson at number ten. I really like Shimonek's game. I think it is a blast to watch. I really can't wait to dig in. I've only watched four games of his. I cannot wait to dig in on more of it. He's a guy who actually I actually really enjoy watching. There's a lot of issues there, a lot of stuff that I have to clean up. It's obviously a guy that you're drafting to be a project backup. Clayton Thorson, I just think is bad. I, I really <laughs> don't like Eric John's gonna be so mad. I think he's bad. I don't see anything <laughs> that translates to the I, I see I shouldn't say anything. I see very little that makes me think he can translate well to the NFL level. I see a lot of nah throws, a lot of nah placement. And it's just, he's just nah. Like, I don't know what other way to put it is. I just don't see it with him. I don't see the quarterback one. I don't see the first round or second round, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round talk with him. He's a seventh round guy to me. I see a little, I can get on board with sixth round because I do see a little bit better than what happened with Simeon, where Simeon was. I think he's got more tools than Simeon. I do, I do. That's what I'm trying to say is that he's got more tools than Simeon, so I can I can get on board with taking him higher than the seventh round. But I think the highest I can go, and it depends on how the draft pans out once you get to the fifth round. But if there's a big run on quarterbacks in that fourth round, which is where I have a lot of these guys graded, I think my number six to thirteen quarterback. Guy are guys that I could see go anywhere from the fifth to the sixth round. They're that range. Yeah, I got you. Well, that'll wrap up the Sam Darnold Huddle Up podcast. That's what we're going to call it from now on. Thanks to you, you planting that seed in my head. I'm going to be really annoying now. I'm just letting you know it's your fault. I will. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I can kick you out of this. I am hosting. I'm this. like I'm like uh, Dikembe Mutombo. My block is oh. strong. Not today. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, thank you for coming on. Sorry that Carl had to get out of here. I know you like him more than me. I, I like him more than me too, but you know he's got to spend his family time. But 
that's going to be all the time we have for the Huddle Up Draft podcast today. Episode five, wrapping up the quarterbacks. And if Stidham or some of these other guys come out, we might have to come back and touch on some of these quarterbacks. But I feel like we hit on most of the big guys. And I'm getting oh. – I love the quarterbacks. I'm getting a little bit quarterback fatigued. I'm ready to talk about this running back class, which looks insanely deep. Quick interjection. I completely okay. didn't realize that he – I took him off my board. But Will Greyer, I took Will him off Greer, my board. Yeah. I took him off my board because I – heard that he was returning to school he would probably fall into that six seven eight range if when i put him back on there okay yep i figured you'd remember him when uh when i said him but whatever you're not listening that's okay hey i <laughs> not, meant to say it i just forgot to say it no it's okay i'm just teasing you i like him a lot as well so will greer that's he's in there as well but yeah now third third time's the charm we're gonna wrap up this huddle up draft podcast you can find carl on twitter at carl Dumbler, mhh myself at nick Kendall, mhh and Carl at Eric Trickle. And you can find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle and affiliate of scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital. You can follow us by subscribing to us on the iTunes, follow up Huddle Up uh, for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube that's put up every week. You can check that out. I like to get on there and comment, get back with you guys in that regard. Please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, leave a comment. Say what you like, don't like, if my voice is annoying, if you think that my love or Sam Darnold or just, I'm just too rude to Eric or if, Guys rubbing me the wrong way is just not something you want to hear on your podcast. Um, unless you like hearing Eric laugh that loud. I guess I'll make some more accidental jokes. <laughs> but yeah, just leave a comment. We love to hear from you guys. Again, please be sure to subscribe. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week for first round of running backs. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile high huddle.